Welcome back to the Florida History Podcast. I'm Carter Krishnire. And I'm Robert Bucciolato. Like Dolly Madison and Lemonade Lucy Hayes before her on the national level, Miss Jennings was the first American activist turned Florida's first lady that earned in the public consciousness that unofficial title due to the love and warmth that the citizenship held for her and everything that she did. Today we might remember her more for her association being married to a successful Florida governor and later U.S. senator, but it's important to remember when we look into her identity and uh, her fiery spirit that this was a woman that grew up around politics. She um, inherited the political bug from her father, who was a, um, in his own right, very accomplished state senator and uh member of the Florida House of Representatives. And at a time when many people um, sort of expected women to be seen and not heard, she actually showed a a pretty um, natural gift for campaigning. And she understood that um, part of politics was... Uh, stagecraft in a way. And so she adored being adored and she adored people and meeting them and earning their trust. And um, her father saw that very, very early. So um, it was kind of unusual in this day and age and especially in the culture of the South. But um, he, in in a lot of ways, made her sort of a, a deputy partner to his political aspirations. She actually um, worked as an assistant for him on a number of his campaigns, and and, um, uh, he confided in her quite a bit. And that uh, transitioned her very well into um, serving as a political partner for her husband, when he ran for all of these enormous, um, prestigious and challenging positions. And um, it, uh, it really allowed her to um, influence her husband on a number of different policy initiatives. Um, another thing, and I, I, I don't think we can really understand you know, undersell this enough is the fact that she was born from the north. She she grew up in New Jersey, and her family um, migrated to Florida in the 1870s, right around the time that Reconstruction was slowly coming to an end a, a few years later. So um, she naturally was going to be a little bit more progressive and empathetic uh, to the average person and, and to minorities than her husband might have been. But she also grew up in a world where uh, women felt more liberated. The The idea of a woman activist was a lot more acceptable and it was more of the social norm in northern states than it was in the south. 
the family would vacation in Tallahassee. Uh, they were always involved in the social scene whenever the legislature was sitting. She went to school in St. Augustine and um, this girl from the north just became enraptured with the melodrama and the romanticism of the old south and uh, she really was a woman of two different regions which at the time meant she was a woman of two different countries. Later on, she would be one of the principal founders for the League of uh, Women Voters in Florida. She championed for many different causes. The one that she's most remembered for now is, of course, uh, women's suffrage and uh, the prohibition of alcohol. But that really just scratches the surface of what she tried to do and what her overall involvement was. Even when her husband ultimately died, um, she would live on for decades, decades. She she outlived him by, you know, over 40 years. And um, in that time, she fought from everything from historical preservation and highway beautification to... uh, you know, providing reservations and then uh, amenities in those reservations for the um, Florida Seminoles. Um, And she was one of the great first champions of environmental um, conservation, which is ironic because her husband basically got into office on the whole concept of draining the Everglades. So um, that just shows you that uh, she had a a bit of a a different attitude in a lot of ways than um, he might have had. And um, as a result, um, and and this is probably the only case that I can point out to, that um, even though during his lifetime, she was definitely the junior partner in this relationship, um, because he passed away you know, so, so soon. I mean, very early on compared to her. Um, and she just kept going and going for, you know, another, like I said, another 43 years because he died in early 1920 and she didn't die until a few months before, uh, Kennedy was assassinated. So because of that, Um, she seemed to transcend him and the ripples of her um, enormous contributions continue to to, um, go on and on in our beautiful state. She also served not only as, um, you know, a a hostess and a first lady and later as a a powerful advocate and champion, but she actually um, served on quite a few different boards um, in many different capacities. And um, she... most famous um, was one of the the principal leaders for the Everglades National Park Commission, um, which again is something that um, has certainly outlasted her. She was also very um, involved in the Florida Chamber of Commerce. So there is um, there's a great irony in the fact that um, This is a woman who 
was given this opportunity by a progressive or at least an empathetic father to make something of herself, to have a voice, to have ideals that she promoted. And she goes and she marries this man who um, was very ambitious, very determined, very driven, um, it valued her, but, you know, definitely um, she was willing to take sort of a, a more submissive role. Um, at least by today's standards, probably not by then, but um, definitely willing to do what a lot of women did, which was, um, you know, sort of uh, play a secondary role to this uh, very important, uh, very successful man. But uh, once he did pass away, even though she loved him very much, she certainly felt very liberated. And she ended up ultimately doing more than many of the Florida governors uh, before probably Leroy Collins to um, be a huge activist for our state, uh, a really tremendous organizer from everything, like I said, to, you know, federal conservation uh, to the Democratic Party. And um, it's resulted in her being probably the first great um, icon for many uh, female activists in Florida today. Thank you for that, Robert. And I would say on this podcast and on the Florida Squeeze website, we spent a lot of time romanticizing the awareness that was brought to conservation efforts and the importance of the Florida Everglades in uh, the 1930s and 1940s by the likes of Marjorie Stoneman Douglas and, and the River of Gra Gra Grass, as well as Herbert Hoover Jr. and others uh, a little later, uh, and um, the efforts of, of the political class of, of uh, President Roosevelt, President Truman, of uh, uh, Dante Fassell, Congressman Fassell, uh, Senator George Smathers, and others, uh, to preserve that area. But the first person who had a tangible impact on preserving the Everglades e ecosystem was May Man Jennings. Ironically enough, the first lady before Napoleon Bonaparte Broward became the, um, the um, governor and uh, embarked on doing even more ecological damage to the area. But Jennings, uh, as you mentioned, Robert, uh, was the first lady um, and was particularly concerned about what might happen to the Everglades. And as early as the year she left, um, her, her, her and her husband left, her husband left the governorship and, and, and um, Napoleon Bonaparte Broward succeeded her, uh, him, she was looking for ways to preserve significant portions of land from development, from encroachment, which seemed to be the big mantra of the Broward years. She developed a strategy. She led this uh, development and acquired unprotected land in uh, Dade County. It's now Miami-Dade County, which would later become Royal Palm National Park. 
and eventually, uh, excuse me, Royal Palm State Park, the first Florida State Park. Uh, we didn't have a state park system. First state park was Royal Palm State Park, uh, a little bit south of Homestead, areas that are now, we, I guess we, we call the Southern Everglades. Um, and that eventually becomes part of the um, Everglades National Park when that uh, was designated in 1947, which of course we've done um, a whole show on and we've done a lot of uh, different pieces on uh, Everglades and, and preservation. And um, after that, she became uh, the president of the Florida Federation of Women's Clubs. So then she continues her, her kind of uh, activism among women uh, and among uh, the um, growing suffragette movement in Florida. And, of course, women were granted the right to vote soon thereafter. But she was incredibly active and passionate at a time when this is not how a first lady acted. This is not uh, the proper role of a woman, right, to, to, to be this sort of activist, especially a woman from the, the highest class of Bourbon, Bourbon Democrats in the state. So an absolutely remarkable woman, May Man Jennings. Love that we're talking about her today um, in our extended Women's History Month look here in 2023, Robert. So, so thank you for that. And um, someone I, I have a, a, a great fondness for in the history of this state, uh, someone who I think did a lot of good in an era when a number of political leaders, including her husband, quite frankly, were, were quite terrible, in my opinion. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't want to say her husband was terrible, but I think Napoleon Bonaparte Broward was pretty bad. I think we had a succession of bad governors. Uh, obviously, uh, uh, we've talked about Sidney Katz. We've talked about Fred Cohn in the past. I don't think Harry Hardy was a particularly good governor. These were the people that were running the state at the time. So to have someone of her stature with her um, concerns and her activism come out of that class is just amazing. So um, thank you for listening, and I really enjoyed bringing this podcast to you this week. We will be back with you next week.